I want to look at uh, some I debated back and forth and back and forth. I don't think I've ever preached a message. I've mentioned it, but I've never preached a message, just a message, on the baptism of Jesus. Uh, and, and looking at this, you think, well, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, Lord, what do you, I mean, how do you get a message out of that? And then I realized that, that the baptism of Jesus is so significant that, it, that it's recorded in every one of the Gospels. Every one of the Gospels. The Holy Spirit wanted to be sure that we, that we understand, I, I want to be sure that we see it. And I think he wants to be sure that we understand it. Now, I don't know that I fully understand everything that happened there. But it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's like that jewel, that diamond, that, that precious gem that you look at and, you, and you're just amazed and you keep turning it. And, and the more you turn it, the more you're amazed. So I want to talk about, uh, we want to look at the baptism of Jesus. But before we do that, in the context of that, just to back up and rerun just a little bit, chapter 3 and we looked at last week is about the ministry of John the Baptist, a, a very unique ministry, absolutely. Uh, and and when, we, when we get to chapter 3 of Matthew, John most likely has been preaching uh, for about six months, okay, publicly, uh, knowing that, that Jesus is, 30, is around 30 years old, one of, the, one of the Gospels tells us, he's around 30 years old, John would, is six months older than Jesus, Okay. So John is, uh, is 30, around 30-ish also. John, is, he comes preaching out of the wilderness there. He comes preaching. He looks like one of the prophets. He's, he's wearing the this, this skins, the leather uh, belt. He's eating the common food, not the, the, all the, this dainty food. And he comes preaching a gospel of repentance and baptizing with a baptism of repentance. And his message is, the promised one is here. The promised one is coming, and you need to be ready for him when he comes. That was his message. Your hearts need to be ready because when he comes, he is going to judge in righteousness. He's going to judge in holiness. And if you want to avoid the wrath that follows the righteousness of God, you better have repentant hearts. And it was a, it was a strong message. It was a powerful message. And it was a message that John didn't equivocate on. John never compromised on. He preached it no matter who was in front of him. He preached it powerfully. And he preached it persistently. And he preached it persuasively. Boy, that's a lot of peas. Daryl would love that. He, he likes that illumination or whatever it is there, alliteration there when you do that. But this is the message that, that John preached. And so now we come to, to verse 13. Oh, I just... About six months into it, after he baptizes Jesus, John is going to preach another six or eight months, and then he's going to be thrown in, in jail, in prison. He will stay in prison for somewhere around a year before he is executed in prison, before he's beheaded for, again, for telling the king, it's wrong, what you're doing is, is wrong, and, uh, and, and this. So here we are, we're picking it up with verse, with verse 13 of Matthew 3. Then comes Jesus, again, everybody's, all the people are coming from around the, the area, coming to hear John, coming to be baptized of John. And John is, is again, this baptism of repentance. Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now, as you read, in the context of that, and as you read that, you look at, Jesus came specifically, a lot of people came in curiosity. 
They came to, to, to see what all the, they came to see the sight. They came to, to see this man that everybody was talking about, the buzz. They came to see. Some came to see him, were convicted, and were baptized. Jesus came specifically with the purpose, with the intent of being baptized. And when he comes to John, and you can, can kind of see this now, uh, as, as Jesus walks out into the water, and here's John, and Jesus says, uh, and, and when he comes to him, verse 14 says, but John forbade Jesus saying, I, I, I need you to baptize me. What are you doing coming to me? Remember, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. And yet scripture teaches us that Jesus did not need to repent of sin. Why? He was sinless. He never sinned. He didn't need to, come to, to be baptized. His, well, it's not a baptism of repentance. Now, there was a time when it was commonly accepted, widely accepted among all believers that Jesus Christ was a sinless Savior because that's what Scripture teaches. He is. And indeed, He is. But that, the, the truth of Scriptures have been so attacked subtly and not so subtle ways today by media by movies, by books, by things that's written. And they've tried to devalue, they try to debase, they try to chip away at the absolute and at the authority of God's word. Be careful of that. Be mindful of that. Be alert to that. And don't, don't ever accept any inch of that that doesn't agree with God's word. It is so critical that we understand that Jesus Christ did not come to receive a baptism of repentance. It's so critical that we understand that Jesus Christ was a sinless savior. There's some verses we're going to run through real quickly, starting in, uh, in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 it says, for we don't have a high priest talking about Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. We'll talk about that. Chapter four goes in after the, immediately after the coronation, after the affirmation, after the, the, the baptism, Jesus, then that was, that was the launch of his public ministry. And it starts with the, with what we have is as we talk about the, the, the temptation in the wilderness, but just know for sure that Satan didn't wait till Jesus was 30 years old and the day he was baptized to start tempting him. Okay. I mean, we, realize, we read this and we think, boy, he, he sure is tempted. No, Hebrews says he was tempted in every way as we are. Now, if, you've never been, if you were never tempted to sin until you were 30 years old, talk to me. I want to know what's going on. He was tempted, but yet without sin. Look at this, what it says in 1 John chapter 3. He says, and, and you know that he, Jesus, was manifest, was revealed to take away our sins. And in him, in who? In Jesus is no sin. First Peter 2, 22. Who, talking about Jesus, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. I mean, if you cannot sin, man, if you cannot sin but what you say, boy, James would talk about in Peter. There was no sin even in what he did. There was no sin in anything he said. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And this is, this is that trading out verse here. For he says, for he, God, hath made him Jesus... To be sin, look at this now, for us. Although Jesus knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us. When did that happen? On the cross. On the cross. 
He, on the cross. That we might be made the righteousness of God in who? In Jesus. Now, Hank, stay with me right here just, just for a minute, Craig. Uh, to, to understand a little bit, uh, just, just a little bit of, of what's happening here. When, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, G, uh, God looked at Jesus and he saw Jerry Helton and all my sins I've ever committed. And he saw my son, Zach Helton. And he saw Richard and he saw BJ. He saw when, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for our sins. He died for your sins. And so as he died on the cross, God was punishing the sins, all the sins of Paul, all the sins of Jerry, all the sins of each one of us of hearts. He was punishing those sins in Christ on the cross. And the reason he did that and the reason it pleased God to do that because when Jesus Christ died a sinless life, he didn't, wasn't paying for his sins, but for ours. So then that when he done this, now God can look at Jerry and God can look at Zach and God can look at Alvin. And what God sees is Alvin and Jerry and Zach and BJ living out the sinless life of Christ. And it pleases him. Because Christ lived perfectly. Christ obeyed God perfectly. I could never do that. You could never do that. But when God looks at Bo, when God looks at Jake and Joel, he sees that because Jesus Christ provided that on the cross of Calvary. Now, that's worth talking about. Amen? That's worth talking about. That's what talking about the righteousness of Christ has been credited to our account. What's that word that Romans use? Imputed? I, you know, I, I don't, we don't use that much, but praise God, he credited it. He said, he is righteous. And I'm saying, no, I'm never. No, I can't be. And he said, yes, I see. Here it is. Because it's written in blood. The blood of the sinless Lamb of God. It's so critical that we understand that. Now, having said that, John, Jesus comes to John. And John, understanding a little bit of this, when Jesus Step to him, John says, man, hey, you need to be baptizing me. I don't, I don't need to be baptizing you. And I'm convinced that this conversation is taking place there. John, all the people on the bank, I don't know if they, they heard all this. Holy Spirit sharing it with the, with the writers of the gospel. And Jesus looks at him. Why would John say that? Well, I think, again, John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary, were cousins. Okay? And you remember the story of when Mary came to Elizabeth for the confirmation of, of, of her pregnancy. And uh, Elizabeth was past the years of, uh, humanly speaking, of, of having a, a child. And yet, miraculously, God uh, gave Elizabeth and Zechariah uh, this son. And the, and the angel predicted, foretold that this son, their son John, would be a mighty man and word and prophet, and he would come preparing the way for the promised one, for the Messiah. And when Mary comes to, to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, John leaps with joy. Remember the promise there, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And when he hears Mary's voice, this baby does all kinds of didos, Alicia. He's calmed down. It's just what a pressure. We are so blessed this morning. I look back here and I see Ann Taylor 
And I look back here and I see Skip and Robin and this, their first grandchild. I see this baby. And I, and I just want to know, y'all are, y'all are fortunate because the women in our church will gobble them up. <laughs> We're blessed. Children are so precious. All right. So here Mary comes to, to Elizabeth. And, 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 and Elizabeth confirms to Mary, you're the mother of my Lord. Then you. Now, for 30 years, I, I'm sure they, they probably had some get-together, kinfolk get-together occasionally. They may have had some, some reunions. They may have had some covered dishes. I don't know. But I can imagine. I, can't you, can you imagine? I mean, I, I just have a lot of fun. I don't want to go there because I, I, it's, it's, you don't need to get extra biblical. But, I, but women, to think that these two cousins, that the only conversation they ever had was back when, when Elizabeth was getting ready to give birth to John and when Mary was just pregnant is a failure to understand women. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm sure. I don't, I don't know how they communicated. They probably didn't have cells or, you know, anything like that. Didn't have Facebook and all this. But I could, you know, if today if they had Facebook, they'd be showing a picture. Hey, this is John. Hey, how, how's, how's, how's your son doing? Well, John, John's always weird. He's out in the desert. He's, you know, he seems to want to be alone all by himself out there. He's growing up, but we're worried about him. And, and can't you see, can't you see Mary now? You know, I feel for him. My son is perfect. I hate to say that, but he's perfect. <laughs> I, you know, I, I know. So I, I told you it's dangerous ground when I go there, so I, I can't stay there long. But to know, John understood enough to know and, and, and understand. Matter of fact, it would tell us, in, I think it's in the book of Luke, or the gospel of Luke, that, that God, the Holy Spirit, had already talked to John and told John, the one you see, when you see this, the Holy Spirit of God descending and staying on us, you'll know that's him. He may not have known what Jesus looked like. I don't know. He may have just known I got a cousin. Mama keeps telling me about this cousin, uh, Mary's son, and she says Joseph is not his daddy. I've, I've heard rumors about all this stuff, but Mama says don't believe those rumors that this is God's son. But when he sees him, he says, man, you don't, you, you don't need to be baptized. You don't have any sins to be baptized for. You need to baptize me. Jesus' answer is very interesting. Jesus' answer completely satisfied John. And in Jesus' answer, I am, I am still, I am convinced this is a, uh, an inexhaustible vein of ore to mine. Jesus looks at John in verse 15 and he says, Suffer it to be so for now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Wow. Then John allowed it. Jesus said, hey, no, you need to do this now, John, because God, this is part of God's plan for both of us. Wow. John struggled a bit. He hesitated. Then Jesus gives him this and, uh, his reply, and, and, and look at this. Did, did, did John baptize Jesus because God required it? I think so. I think God wanted it. Look at John chapter 1. We get a little bit more of insight into John's, how John saw his ministry. And, and this is John's account of the same account we were looking at in Matthew. The next day, John sees Jesus coming to him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be 
made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water? And see, John's John's telling him, he said, this is what I've been talking about. He's here. I've been telling you to get ready and prepare because the promised one's coming that's going to judge righteously. This is him. That's what John's saying. Look what it says. And he said, and John bare record saying, I saw the, the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it stayed on him. John saw this. He experienced this. God had told him, when you see this happen, you're going to know this. And look what he says. He said, and I, and I knew him not. In other words, I, I, I wouldn't have recognized him. I didn't know what he looked like. But when I saw this, he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me. Now, who sent John to baptize with water? Who? God did. That's God did. John was being obedient to God's call on his life as he preached this this repentance and as he preached, uh, as he baptized, a repentance. And he says, the same one said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is the one which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. One more verse. And I saw it and bear record, John says, that this is the Son of God. So you, 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 you've got this, this picture. Jesus is saying to John, John said, why are you doing this, man? And, 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 and it comes out with two, two words just, just amaze me. First of all is obedience. Because God has willed it. Because this is part of God's plan. And the second part of that, which is, makes, makes a two beautiful bookends into this, into this, this account, is of humility. It's of humility. Let me just ask you, have, have you ever, don't raise a hand at this. I wouldn't embarrass anybody. I, you know I would embarrass you. I start to say I wouldn't embarrass anybody for anything. I'm glad Fred's not here. He would disagree with that, Jim. He, he, he talks about the, the view from the back underside of the bus a lot. But have you, have you, have you ever been in a, in a service and, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And, 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 and maybe the Holy Spirit saying, you need to get up and go down to the altar and pray. You need, you need to go down and pray. Have you ever heard that, ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you in a way, in a time when that wasn't the most convenient time in the world and you just wasn't thrilled to hear him say that, and you tried to say, "Well, I'll pray right here." <coughs> ever done that? And as you're trying to, and, and God and the Holy Spirit said, "Where did I ask you to pray?" And if you're now, you, none of you have ever done this, I'm sure. But I'm just telling you, I, and, and I have had this struggle. If I get up and go to the altar, they're going to wonder what kind of argument Barbie and I had this morning. Okay, okay, yeah. And, 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 and people are going to wonder, if I go down there, why am I going down there? It should never be that way. That is, that is a sad commentary to where we have gotten to be, as if we aren't careful, as people. We need, we need to care. What do we say? Over and over and over again, you hear me say this. We need to care more about what God thinks than what people think. And when God's people just get to that point of just in humility, Jesus wasn't flaunting it. But here everybody was coming down into the water to be baptized with a baptism of repentance. Now, I, you know, if that would have been us today, you know, I mean, not us, but, but I can see now, you know, here's Jesus. He's never sinned. 30 years old, knows, knows he's getting ready to start. He knows he came for the cross. He understands what lies before him. This is the beginning. This is Matthew is presenting, presenting the king of the Jews to the Jews. 
And, if, and, and in that context, this is the coronation. This is, we, this is the ordination of his public minister. We was talking about that first service. Now, it would have been, you know, Jesus could have said, Hey, John, 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 I, I need to come down, but I don't, I'm not coming like everybody else. Uh, they need to get, they need it, man. They need it. But John, I want you, I just want you to know, I don't need to be baptized. I had never done anything wrong. Nope, not a bit. Not even lied. Quit laughing over there. I'm not. And, and, uh, and John, I need you to, to, to baptize me because this is what God's telling me to do. And what was, you know, I can sit now in the back. <laughs> he needs it more than anybody. A liar like that, he's either deranged. You know, call, call the man. We got, a, we got a real one up here. You know, I mean, he didn't do that. He humbled himself. If, is one of the things I look and see, and now you know this, humility, in my opinion, in my opinion, humility is not milk toast. Humility is an is a epitome of strength. Because in humility, when we're talking about, especially humbling ourselves before God, humility is understanding what God says to do and doing it and let everything else fall where it may. And I see this picture of Jesus Christ saying to John, this is fulfilling all righteousness. God desires it. I want to be obedient to it. And I want to, I want to humble myself. Philippians talks about Jesus who, who came and, and humbled himself. And I think this is part of that, that picture of humility. And John, Jesus says it, said this, hey, this, in, in doing this, we're, we're being obedient. In doing this, God is pleased. And so John says, I can imagine John saying, well, okay. In that case, I may not understand everything, but that which I do understand, I'm going to do, right? Listen, if God's telling you and you're sure God's telling you to do something, he's not obligated to reveal to you every detail. He may, but he may just reveal enough that that you know, that he knows that you know what he wants you to do. And as you obey, then he reveals that which you need to know more. But here John says, okay. So John baptized him, verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17 are, are, are awesome, awesome verses to me because we see the Trinity. Really, really, right here, all, it's, it's a whole Godhead. Here's the Son of God. John said, behold the Son of God. Here's the Son of God. John's, John's dunking him underwater. John's, John's touching him. John's feeling. The people are seeing him. Here is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Descending like a heaven, and it's interesting word in verse 16. It says, uh, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And as I looked at that word, I think that word in Greek right there, which says opened unto him, is, is used another place that is translated, same place when it talks about when Jesus was crucified, that the veil of the temple was torn, ripped apart from top to bottom. And the picture, it's the same word. Here's translated, oh, and, and, and the prophets had prophesied that God would rip open the heavens and would, would anoint, would uh, verify, would coronate, would, uh, would um, crown this one that was promised with his, with his Holy Spirit. And so the picture is here, here the Son of God jump out of the water, the Holy Spirit of God, heavens are open, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. Was it a dove? I, John, I don't know. John saw something. Was it, was it lighting like a dove? Was it, was it because of the, the way doves are so tender? And gentle? I don't know. I've read, I've read several sermons 
And Spurgeon had a, has got a, 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 you know how Spurgeon is. He can, he can preach a sermon on one word. And, and he's got, he's got a, a, a whole neat sermon on about what the significance of a dove. But all I know is that, that God had told him this is it. This is, the, this is the only way you're going to know. And so there we've got the Son. There we've got the Holy Spirit confirming that. John seeing that. And here you've got this, this voice of God. A voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. Um, this is just a sidebar. This just a sidebar here. It is so important as, as fathers that we look for those ways to affirm our sons. Okay? And it's never too late if your son's still alive. Maybe a grandson, but it's never too late. And there may be, and, and, and there may be sons, you may have sons that's waited all their life just to hear you say, I'm proud of you. Who you are. Look for a way to affirm them. Get a good friend, a great friend, good friend. He was a closer friend probably as I ever had. And he, he got killed in an accident. And I'm sitting with his, with his son, uh, out of the teens at that time, probably in his 20s. And, uh, and here, here's, my, here's my, the son of my close friend. And, and, and I'm just, I'm, you know, we're talking and, and I'm telling him how, how much I loved his dad. And he looked at me and he said, I know I hear people say this, but he said, all my life, all I've ever wanted to hear dad say to me is I'm proud of you. And he said, I, I, I know he must have been but he said, he said, all he wanted to do was, was just tell me what mistake I'd made and I could do just a little bit better. If we aren't careful, been there, done that, you know, when, when uh, yeah, coaches went through this and I was coaching Zach and uh, rec ball and all this and, and uh, Barbara would say, well, you're just a little bit harder on him than you are the rest of them. And it's probably true, you know, and I keep thinking because I, I know what, I know what potential is there. And I realize, realize it's more important a lot of times to be a father than it is to be a coach. And so sometimes uh, there have been occasions and just, uh, yeah, we have fun with it. He, he thinks I'm crazy anyway, and that's okay. I'm at the point now, Sissy and I were talking about this morning, I'm at the age now that you can do things and get away with it because of your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah, I know it. I, I'm just saying, hey, if that's where you are, take advantage of it, baby. Yeah, but they look at me and they say, well, he's just old. You know, he's an old pastor. He's... But, but we have fun. I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll call and I'll say, how's, you know, how's my only son? You know, you're my favorite son. But I, but I, but I, but I want to say, and I, and I have, and he'll tell you. And, I, and I, I told him recently, I said, I am so proud of the man you are. So proud. And I could find, I, mean, I could find, I don't have to look hard. I could look at his heart. But I'm just sitting saying, sidebar, dads, dads. If you've never done it, it's never too late. Trust me. And I don't care if you say, well, my son's 60 years old. I don't care if he's 106. If you've never told him that, you tell him that. And to all you young dads and to all you potential fathers, some of you say, boy, am I in that category I'd like to be. <laughs> I'm not going to go over there. Remember that. Remember that. God modeled that for us. And he'll tell us several times, you know, this is my son. And who I was well pleased. This 
pleased God that took place that day in the Jordan River. And I'm, I'm fully concerned that it was so significant and it remains significant throughout Jesus' ministry. I'm going to close. Go with me to the 11th chapter of Mark, I think it is. Yeah, Mark 11. We're going to, we're going to Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to fast forward uh, several months, maybe a couple of years, maybe two and a half years, somewhere in there. John has been killed in prison. Jesus uh, knows that his cousin John is, is fulfilled his ministry. Jesus knows that uh, he's, he's been affirming. He's been, uh, he's been doing everything, fulfilling all the scriptures. He's, he, the miracles, the healings, the, the healing of the blind, the healing of the lame, the, the dead raised to life, the preaching the gospel, all these things that he's been doing to fulfill and to affirm that God's, that this is the promised one that was to come. We get to Mark chapter 11. Verse 27, it says, and they came again to Jerusalem, uh, Jesus and his disciples, to Jerusalem. And as Jesus was walking to the temple, this is a temple where 18, 19 years ago, he had, uh, he had sat as a 12-year-old kid and talked to the, and confounded the wise people. It's a temple that he would, uh, that he would get uh, just indignant at how they were abusing it and misusing it. And he would drive out the, the profit makers because they had made it, they just they were desecrating the temple with their with their what they were doing. It's the same temple, and he says, as he walked there, there came to him the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, the religious leaders, and and this is verse twenty eight. And they said to him, "By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority?" Anyway, I mean the the, the fact that he was. The, the, the miracles, they couldn't deny because he was doing them openly. The lame, you know, the people there, the lame man, the blind man, they could see that. But now Jesus is even, even forgiving people their sins. Or telling, telling people your sins are forgiven. And only God could do that. And so in their, in their, in their frustration, I think. In their lack of understanding, they just come to him. But it's a good question. I think it's a great question. I think it's a legitimate question. How in the world can you do that? How can we stand up here today and on the stage and how can the choir sing that, our, that the miracle of mercy can change lives? How can you say that? Because it's true. By what authority? Who has the power to change lives? Who has the power to change heart? Who has the power to change the way the heart of men and women? Only one that I know of, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he changes everything. And if you've encountered him, and there's not been a change, check it out. They said, why are you doing this? How can you do this? And look at Jesus' answer. And I'm, I'm getting ready to close. Y'all just, you must need preaching to a lot more than first service. I don't know. <laughs> look at verse 29. 29 says, and Jesus answered him and said, I'll, I'm going to ask you one question. And if, if you'll answer me, the question I ask, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll answer your question. Jesus takes him back to months, possibly a couple of years earlier, to the same Jordan River Valley. And Jesus said, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or a man? Tell me. Tell me. 
And uh, verse 31 says, and they reasoned with themselves. Now, to me, that's like they huddled together and trying to figure out what's the right answer for this thing. Now, I could, I, I, I could we don't know, and I, I know, but, but very possibly there were those amongst them that said, oh, no. They said, what's he talking about? We're talking about that man that, that Herod had killed in, in jail, John the Baptist. Yeah, everybody knows about him. He preached. Don't you remember a couple years ago back up in Jordan, everybody was going out? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what do we know about him? I can hear one guy say, hey, I went out there one day. Matter of fact, I was there. I was there the day this same man, this, this Jesus, this, this, this Galilean, this guy from Galilee. I was there one day. I've been out there. I've been out there. I went out there. John is crazy, but I, but I love to go out and hear him. And I love to go out and see the people, you know, you know how weak-minded people, they always need a crutch. And they were always out there and, and, and they were just going there and getting wet, you know. It was hilarious to me. But, but this day, but one day I was out there and, 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 and he came down and they went in the water. Him and John talked about something. And when John baptized him and he came up out of the water. Listen, I, I thought, I, 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 I thought, you know, I, it, it was different. It was different. Some people said it was a dove. I, I don't know if it's just a bird. I, I don't know, but but this there was there was this something lit on him. There was a there was this. You know, there's almost like a radiance around him, or the sun shining off the water. You know how that is, whatever. And and I and I tell you, I, I, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but I think it thundered. Some people said they heard a voice. Some people, some people said they heard a voice, but I, I don't know. It's just a loud, I, it couldn't have been a voice. It was loud. I don't know. It sounded like some thunder or something. And I'm just, I, I, I just think, you know, can, can you hear people trying to explain the workings of God? I love it. I, I love it. Try to explain a yard sale. And, uh, and a scripture only says it's, it's, it's amazing. Try, try to ex- explain when, when God can take uh, one, what is that? Uh, what's that fish place we like to eat at? Captain, uh, not Captain D's. What's the other one? Long John Silver's. How God can take one Long John Silver's meal and feed 5,000? It's lunchtime. It's time for me to get through. <laughs> I'll be craving fish before I'm over if I'm not careful. Yeah? How, how, explain that. You can't, all you can do is say when God chooses to do something, he can do it any way he wants to. And, and, and to hear them. And so they reason. They couldn't figure it out. And they say, well, if we could say that John's baptism is from heaven, then he's going to say, well, why didn't you, why didn't you believe him? But if we say that John's baptism was just man doing it, these people are mobbed us because they believe John was a prophet. And so they go back to Jesus and they said, we don't, we don't know the answer to that. We don't know the answer to that. I would love for Jesus to be the moderator of one or two of our political debates. I have no idea where that come from. Let me just... But he surely knew how to ask questions to get to truth. And he knows how to ask the right questions to get to the truth in our life, doesn't he? He really does. Do you really love me with all your heart? Yeah. He knows how to ask those questions. And they said, we, didn't, we can't answer. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going I'm, I'm to answer your question either. I'll not tell you by what authority I do these things. But I am convinced that this rattled their cage. Can you imagine that? Because their question was a legitimate one. Who gave you this authority? And the fact that he could do it was undeniable. And the fact that lives were changed was undeniable. And them trying to figure out who authority. And it really all went back to the day that God says, this is my son and I'm well pleased. His obedience, his humility, 
the desire to please me more than anyone else. This is it. This is it. Well, I'm, I'm going to stop in place. I'm just going. I'm just going to stop there. Um, I would. I would just encourage you, as you read, read it in the, in the different accounts and say, God, I, I love it in Luke. I think it's in Luke the account of, of Jesus' baptism. Just, just, just tells a, two two things that none of the other gospels tell. Uh, it just in Luke it says that Jesus coming out of the water and praying. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. Now I, I'm just thinking, oh man, wow! Think about that. Just, just ask. I say, God, I, you know, I just know there's got to be there's there's a lot here, and I know I, for me, I'm taking away just obedience, complete obedience, and complete complete humility, complete humility to me. Take those away. There's there's so many other things, but but. If you're here this morning and if you never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would take away the truth of John's message because as John too was a part of fulfilling the righteousness of God. And John's message was when he comes, you want to have a heart that's ready to receive his truth and receive him. Today we're not looking for uh, Jesus to come as a Messiah that's going to be crucified and give his life on the cross. He's already done that. But today, believers all around the world are looking for him to return in power and glory for his church. And the day of reckoning and the day of judgment is still there. And so I think the message today, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, is do that. Trust him. Believe in him. Let him become your savior. Let him become your savior. He loves you. He loves you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that's true entirely. Thank you so much, Lord, that that your word is like a jewel that's never, uh, never exhausted in the beauty of the facets of your word and of your ways. Thank you for mercy and grace. Thank you for the modeling of your son Jesus Christ in obedience and humility for us. Thank you that it's in his sinless sacrifice that we are made available to your righteousness. Now, Lord, Do what you need to do in each of our lives. To that one that's here that's never trusted you, draw them to you this morning. Let them say, God, I need you. To that one that you speak, Lord, and surely if you ever speak and say, hey, you need to go to altar, don't ever let them be more concerned. Help us to be humble enough to obey you. We love you, Lord. Pray that you'd be pleased. In your name, amen.